What's up, everybody? Welcome to Fairway to Heaven only on DSM Media. I am Phil Stifle, as always, joined by my partner in crime, Jason Sullivan. Got a special guest, as always. He showed up. He's here this week. Rob, we can follow Rob at DFSRCGuilt on Twitter. This dude, I mean, we, we always say one of the best, but this guy's actually got the cash out tickets to prove he's one of the best. This guy hits pretty regularly. I know you had a pretty big win last year. I know you had a pretty big win a couple of weeks ago, maybe, or a month or so ago. Uh, Rob, welcome to Fairway, Fairway to Heaven. Hey, thanks for having me. I gosh, that that intro is so sick. I love that. It's kind of like a walk-up <laughs> song, I feel like. Yeah. Now I'm like ready to go and go to the course or something. So super, super excited to be here. Uh, yeah, love the show. Love you all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, even in the intro video, I mean, we even have Tiger Woods swinging the golf club left-handed, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> we, we, we got flagged last week, so somebody flip-flopped. Yeah. To, so the video would be backwards, and supposedly that's going to go. But I'm like, when I saw the new video, I'm like, did you just make Tiger Woods a left-handed golfer? And I think the I was guy that, that the video, like, he went lefty, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was just a flip-flop video. That wasn't oh, meant yeah. to be like that. What's up, Jason? How you doing this week? Doing good, man. I'm excited for this week. Uh, last full field event of the year. I can't believe it's already come to this, but uh, I know I'm definitely season excited. one of Fairway to Heaven is almost over. So, like Jason said, this is the last event before the FedEx Cup Championship starts next week. Over 150 players. Uh, we are in the Wyndham Championship down there in Sedgefield Country Club. You know, North Carolina Flair Country. You know, I always like to throw any Ric Flair reference anywhere I can, whenever I can. Um, so it's a par 70, 7,100-yard course. Uh, Rob, as the uh, guest of honor, tell us a little bit about what you know about this country club and uh, this, this event in general. Sure. Well, this event, it's kind of an old kind of Donald Ross-style course. Yeah, everybody's kind of knowing, knowing that. Uh, got to hit fairways. Got to be strong with approach. It's going to be low scoring. Um, got to be very solid with the wedges. But one thing that's not talked a whole lot or that I've seen at least is that uh, not only do you have to hit fairways, but driver isn't going to be utilized on a lot of these holes uh, for mm -hmm. some golfers. So be weary looking at fairway gain stats because we're not always going to you know, be taking a driver off, off the, this tee box. So maybe we can kind of find some guys that no one's talking about that uh, maybe have an edge not taking driver off, like a.k.a. Gary Woodland maybe. But, uh, yeah, yeah, and I'll kind of shut up and, le and let you guys share any in, in, <clears throat> any information you yeah, might we, have. on. Yeah, just course. so you know, I mean, the way this show works, guests have to do the talking. You know, the spotlight okay, exactly. on the guest. <laughs> no one wants to hear my stupid my stupid voice anymore. So, you know, we, we, we got to hear the guests talk. 
Well, good deal. Well, that, no, yeah, I, think, the only... I think Rob brought up. Go ahead, Jason. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I thought you brought, ahead, you brought up a really good point. You brought up a good point about the uh, lesson driver course. I think I believe it was 2017. Hendrick Stenson won this event without taking the driver out of his bag. So, you're, like you said, it's it's going to be a less than driver course. So, well, fairway stats are great. I, they might be a little bit misleading this week. I think. I think that's a really good point. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I saw that like 28% of approach shots are coming from 150, 175, and you can even throw 125 to 150, and, and the tour average is around just 20%. So that's kind of a large uh, dif difference. So you're going to have a lot of wedges, um, but yeah, it's going to be kind of like Cindric in this three wood, or it's going to be maybe some four iron for the longer hitters off the tee. So uh, maybe some guys that were used to maybe them spraying it off the tee might, might actually uh, might not be the case this this week. Jax is the uh, mascot of the show. <laughs> Thanks for popping in, Jax. Uh, yeah, but you know what? For as much as the driver is not important this week, it's still a birdie fest tournament. So you still right. need guys that can, if, if, if they're not using their driver, can still get on the green and can still make putts. Bermuda greens, you know, you, you still need people that are going to be able to putt and make birdies to win this event. You know, I, I wrote it down. I did my notes a couple days ago. So they're all over the place. But this is one of those events that's probably going to be in that 18, 20, 22 under type, you know, event. So mm -hmm. we definitely want guys that can go low and go low a lot. Yeah, very much so. You know, guys who perform well and, and you know, kind of easy courses, we want to kind of look out for that. Um, you know, guys that can roll and roll on, on Bermuda it will, will be key too. So we're looking for that because if uh, you can hit it, Proximity could be great this week, but if you just can't can't roll it, uh, you're not going to make those birdies. So we're going to try to find guys that maybe, or I look for maybe that that are trending in the right direction with with the putter. Absolutely. I mean, I, we always we always talk about how you know certain guys if they get hot with the putter this week can be you know could have a chance to be a contender. Not this week. We want guys that are definitely going to be really comfortable on that those Bermuda greens. Anything else, Jason, that you want to add on this course this week? No, I think we pretty much covered it. Um, like you said, you're going to want to go – it's probably going to be 20 under or greater that's going to win this tournament. So you're going to want the scorers. Obviously, DK scoring is super important this week. So you're going to want birdie makers in your lineup. Absolutely. I mean, so the last couple of years, obviously, Jim Herman. Everybody knows who Jim Herman is this week um, because of how great he did last week uh, for the first two rounds. <laughs> I did not – you know, rounds. I sat there on Friday night, and I was looking at – I had an outright bet on him to win last week, knowing he wouldn't win. But thinking, when will be the right moment to cash that bet out? And Friday <laughs> night, I'm sitting there. They offered me 10. It was a 320 to 1 bet. They offered me 10 to 1 on my money. I'm like, nah, I'll wait till Saturday afternoon to cash this bet out. Needless to say, I didn't get anything out of that one. Wow, bummer. Yeah. So Jim Herman won it last week. JT Potson, Snedeker's won it a few times. Uh, Stenson, like you guys said, in 17. Siwoo Kim in 16. So there's some decent names. But this is an important week because there's so many guys that want to get into that one, top 125, not just because of the FedEx, but then it also gives them exemptions for next year and stuff like that. So while there's not a who's who of golfers in this event, there's a lot of pressure on the line for a lot of these mid-level and back-end golfers because next year, you know, next year relies on that. Um, so I think it's a it's a fun event because there's a lot of pressure on the line, even though it's not a playoff <clears throat> event. It kind of to an extent is a playoff event to a lot of these guys. Yeah, playing game kind of. Yeah, it's like a playing game, exactly. NCAA yeah. tournament, the first in the wild card, you know, in baseball, all those kind of things. So it's a really important yeah. event. We're in Dayton, Ohio sure. this weekend before we go to the big dance. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. So are you guys weighing that into your thinking at all this week, guys that are on the bubble? Are you going to 
any football, any more stock into them or you are not really. I actually prefer, this is one of those weeks and I, uh, uh, Rob, you're newer to the show, but I, I kind of, you know, tend to do better on weeks when there's not top end guys. Cause I can kind of pull those mid-level guys out better. I'm looking at my player pool that I've got built here. I've got 16 names, well, 15 names for everybody watching Patrick Reed did withdraw earlier today. Um, he was in my player pool, um, for certain reasons. Um, I got my player pool and I got my maybe player pool written down here. And most of my names on my list right now are in that 73 to 8,500 range. I have very few top end guys. And I think it's because there's a lot of importance for these guys, mm-hmm. for their careers and for next year. Um, so I think it definitely weighs, in my opinion, a factor. You know, Patrick Reed, it might not have been as important for him to win this week. Maybe he takes the foot off the pedal on Sunday. But somebody like, say, you know, Kevin Kisner, or Brett, Brett Snedeker or, or someone like that, you know, it's a much more important week for them. Yeah, and I don't I don't discredit the the narrative. I I just don't incorporate it that much into making picks because you just can't you can't quantify it most most times. Um, but but you know because for me I don't again I don't discredit that that is going to be uh, you know kind of a motivator or maybe kind of a disadvantage for some players. And so I can't judge who that might benefit. So if there's a guy who's around that that kind of FedEx cup line around 125, who might that benefit or who might that hurt? Um, and so because I can't do that and I don't want to play that guess a game, I, I just typically you know just try to ignore it. Um, mm-hmm. But the great thing about DFS is that there's many ways to be successful. So it works for me. It doesn't have to work for anyone that, that's listening. That's- I, I want to know what works for you. So whatever works for you, <laughs> I, I take this player pool up and tear it up. You just give me your player pool and I will go with it this week. Okay. No right, pressure. So let, 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 let's dive into this week. So this week, you know, first off, we've talked about it in other shows. When you have these, not smaller fields, lighter fields with the, the star power, you can't worry about sticker shock. There's definitely going to be guys that you're going to, you're going to look at their prices and you're going to be like, Holy crap, Brian Harmon's 9,900. You know, you know, these are kind of things, you know, Louis Oosthuizen 10,700. I know he's done great lately, but you know, I know it's Brian, our our good friend of the show's, you know, favorite golfer right now to bet, but this is some major sticker shock. So you kind of got to ignore that to an extent. Um, So let's look at the 10 K and above. You know, obviously there was six. Now there's five. You got, you know, Hideki Matsuyama leading the field. I don't think I've ever seen Deki as the number one priced guy. Um, he's at 11K. Ustazen's 10-7. You got Webb Simpson, Will Zalatoris, and Jason Kokrak. Uh, Webb Simpson obviously has massive success at this event. I'm not sure if it's true. I read somewhere that he named his daughter after this event. His That's daughter's true. named Wyndham. Um, yep. In his last 10 appearances, he's got a third, a second, a second, a third, one blip at 72, a six, a five, 11, a 22, and a win. Um, so I we I got to start it out, and we'll start with Rob. Um, is Webb Simpson a play this week? Because you got to think he's going to have massive, massive ownership percentages this week. Yeah, definitely, especially with Reed um, withdrawing. And not that Reed was carrying a lot of ownership, but it's someone in the 10Ks that – people could have pivoted to. So I think it's going to, you know, get web ownership a little, a little higher. And so here's, here's the thing to do with, with web and for your listeners, it's, this is just so important because I guess what I see or what I is I am, I'm fearing might be a big mistake is that people kind of sit on the fence with web because they hear two different and be contradictory information. They hear 
gosh, you need to fade high ownership guys. But then we hear a guy like Webb and his course history here. So then that makes us put on the middle. And so if Webb is going to be projected at 25%, then we think, gosh, if I'm making 20, 20 lineups, he's going to be, I'm going to match the field, put him in 20, you know, 25% of my lineups. But the problem with that is you're not creating an edge at all. And so you really have to be, you know, kind of bite the bullet and, and decide if you love Webb, and you can, I mean, it's a lot of data says that to support that. If you love Webb, to really kind of get an edge and get leverage on the field, you have to go severely over, overweight. So maybe like 70% of your lineups yeah. has Webb. Or if, if you're saying you're taking a stand and not doing it, it's either a full fade or very, very light ownership. So just to give you an example, I am going very, very underweight on Webb and really only including him in lineups with my main my top guy in the pool and then really kind of sprinkling contrarian plays um, in my in those lineups with Webb so they won't be duped and they um, will still maybe have a balance out or create a kind of a contrarian lineup with a guy like Webb. But I actually don't like him as much th this week. What, what do you guys think about him? Well, Jason, what, what, what are your thoughts on Webb? The owners? I mean, I know you always got the ownership percentages up on your screen, <clears> the, <throat> the estimated ones, but. You know, so what, wait, real quick, I, I was watching Brian, our, our our friend of the show, before this, and he had uh, Joe Idoni or uh, Idoni on his show, and he said last year he took down this week's event. Yeah, and what, whatever I forget which event he said he was playing in, and Webb Simpson was owned in thirty seven percent of the lineups. It was a ninety thousand person field, and he was owned in thirty seven percent. But he still in his winning lineup, he still had yeah. Webb Simpson. So sometimes in these type of events. You got the ownership percentage of a specific player, and we've talked about on this show, doesn't necessarily matter as long as, like you said, Rob, is the rest of the guys you build around him, you know, have to be the right plays. Yeah, sometimes it's helpful to just to add up the combined ownership of all mm -hmm. players in your in your lineup and see if you can kind of get below 70 or 65. Mm -hmm. And so if Webb is was like you know 30 something percent. Then I don't know Joe's lineup, but I, I watched that same thing. That's a crazy story, and so, so happy for Joe. But I would have been assuming that he would have other guys that were were less, multiple guys that were less than ten percent owned, and maybe Absolutely. one guy that was less than five. So, what are your thoughts, Jason, on Webb Simpson? So, I'm kind of thinking along the same lines. To be honest with you, I think I play cash games, so I think I'm going to play Webb in cash. I don't know how you don't play him in cash. To be honest with you. So I think because I'm going to go, I'm going to play him 100% of my lineups in cash. I think I'm, I might, I don't know about fade in GPP, but I'm going to go super light. And it's partly because of Webb. He hasn't been as good, you know, the past, I don't know, 10 tournaments as he had been last year. Like last year he was, he came in in good form. He, he'd been playing really well. He was really consistent for almost two straight years. He hasn't been the same, you know, I think he had a back injury for a little while. So I don't know. I feel like he's not coming in the same form. So that's part of it. And then the other part for me is that I just like Hideki better. Um, I know he's the highest priced golfer. I think this is the first time he's ever been the highest priced golfer in, in DraftKings. But I mean, I don't know what's to not like about Hideki right now. Ever since his Masters, he's just been a different guy. I feel like he's striking the ball great like he always does, but he's his approach has been amazing. Proximity from 150 to 175, he's fifth in the field. So his all-around game is pretty good right now. And, it, and we always talk about him. He can't putt, obviously. But if he's even anywhere around even putting, he's going to be right in contention. I mean, T2 last week, he's super good on easy courses too. So I just like the way he's playing right now. And I'll take, you know, like you said, I think 
Uh, Webb is, is projected right now at 25% ownership. I'm seeing Hideki at 14. So I'll take that discount in ownership and, and play Hideki all day. So I'm going to ask a question about Hideki because it was actually a question I've written down for a couple other golfers. And then I'm looking at Hideki and he's in the same boat. Is there any thought in your mind, Jason, about just exhaustion? I mean, he played at St. Jude. He played in the uh, the Olympics. I mean, the guy's been traveling all over the place nonstop. I mean, I, I kind of feel like there might be a point in time. I mean, I wrote it down because Sung Ye Im and, you know, and, and, and or, yeah, Sung J Kim and Im and Kim. We're just going to leave it at that. I, I butcher names, Rob. <laughs> Im, names Im, are not yeah. my strong point on shows. Kim and Im, the same boat. They're higher, you know, costing guys that they got to be getting tired. You know, there, there's got to be a point so in guys that are already in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Do they take the foot off the pedal this week and maybe not have their best week because, you know, it's looking ahead, you know, the, the trap game kind of, you know, philosophy in football. You know, that's kind of where I was thinking with Decky and Kim and M. So that's a good point. Um, I was actually thinking the same thing with Patrick Reed this week. He had played a bunch of mm -hmm. weeks in a row, but then he withdrew. So that kind of took that out of the equation. With Hideki, though, he just seems different to me. I, I feel like he's he seems like he's having more fun on the course. He seems like a different guy since he won the Masters. Obviously, that took a huge burden off his back. You know, he's the pride of the country right now. I feel like he's rolling, and when he's playing this well, I want to. I'm I'm big on recent form, and I want to stick with Hideki. Yeah, I actually read somewhere that it was an interview with Hideki that you know he's from Tokyo, and so he makes that trip like multiple times a year. And he's actually said he's kind of used to going to Japan, flying back, and playing multiple tournaments in a row. And so, and like, how could you not imagine that exhaustion and jet lag would get some of the guys? But you know, with Decky, maybe he is just used to it, and he has a little, um, you know, yeah, he's just comfortable with it. And so, That's so and, yeah, yeah, and, and so again, with that narrative, I, I just can't put a number on it. So I just personally, I just ignore it. Okay, you know, we're, you know what, too? I think I forget like a couple people said this on their podcast last week too, but. These guys aren't traveling the same way that you and I are traveling when we travel, you know, right, on a vacation. Point. They're, they're, they're flying private back jets. In a spirit airplane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're on private jets, probably have a bed, a couch, whatever they need. So they're not flying the same way we fly. So I'm sure he's used to it at this point. Hey, and the problem, Rob, Rob's taking down some pretty big, pretty big tournaments. Rob might be flying private jets. Exactly. Look, look where he's doing the show from. He's doing it from a golf course right now. Well, when you hit a couple of those those quarters, we're going down to Clearwater in the private jet on your. That's dime. right. That, I, if I hit a million maker, everybody I've ever had on this show, we're having one big rager on a golf there course. Go. There you go. There's no doubt about that. All right, so the rest of the 10K range: Oost, Zalatoris. Um, I like Kokrak because I like Kokrak every week because the guy's just you know playing really great golf this year. Um, you guys have anybody else you really like this week in that 10K range or above? Yeah, so I, I like uh, I like what Willie Z. I like what what we're seeing uh, trend wise for Willie Z, where it appears that he's coming back to, you know, his recent form of fifty to one hundred rounds ago. Because fifty rounds ago, in my model, he ranked seventh in the field, and so that that's great. And between eight and twenty four, things are, aren't aren't so great. Um, so he's kind of kind of coming back. On, you know, he had a little, I think, a back injury, and so that he, you know, that's been kind of been taken care of, but. I don't know what his ownership is, but he's just right under Webb. And so usually Willie Z is one of the highest owned guys on a slate, especially back in the beginning of the summer. And I don't I don't think he will be. I think he'll be very popular. But compared to what we usually see with Willie Z, it could be a nice buy low opportunity. But I do think it'll, it'll definitely be a buy low opportunity um, 
for for like coming back into the the, the fall swing because he's not in the playoffs at, as of right now. But I, I kind of believe with the ball striking, we're seeing him trend back to yeah what we saw earlier this year, and that that kind of gets me excited. But outside of Hideki, that's the only other guy I really like in the 10K range. Jason? Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement on that one. Um, we kind of forget Zell Torres. Obviously, he went through a little bit of a slump. Like you said, he was injured, I think, at the Open. He withdrew. Um but before that, he was a top 10, top 15 machine every week. It was like, you just plug him in, you're going to get a top 15. Obviously, his price used to be like in the sevens, the high sevens, and now mm-hmm. we're looking at 10-3. So that's a big thing. But I just feel like he's one of the he's one of the most talented guys in this field. Obviously, when he gets it going, Tita Green, he's a monster. Uh, he's a good scorer. He's good around the green. Um, third in approach over the last 50 yards. So obviously, when he's rolling, he's really solid in pretty much all categories. So I like him too. Um, I think I'm going to start – it's probably all my lineups with either Zalatoris or, or Hideki, to be honest with you. Okay. All right. Okay, so then we go into the 9K range, and this is really where the sticker shock kind of you know, jumps out a little bit at you with 9,900 for Brian Harmon. You got Fleetwood. You got Sung JM. You got Henley, Wolf, Scott, Kim, and Bubba at 9K. Um, again, Rob, you're, you're the guest on the show. You get to pick one of those guys. Who's your favorite 9K play this week? <clears throat> So and it's it's everybody's going to be his favorite. So I'll admit I won't speak too much on him. But Henley is it just pops on every single model I run, mm-hmm. and he is going to be popular, but kind of rightfully so. But because I'm just kind of in love with what the, the data is showing, I'm going to go severely overweight. Overweight. So kind of like Phil, what you talked about with, with, with Joe and how he took down on 100K last year. Even though that Henley is going to be very popular, I'm going to say, okay, well, I'm going to still get try to get leverage with the field by going severely overweight on, on him. But um, he'll be popular. But the guy I, I also really like in the 9K, where I may start a lot of lineups, that is, is Sungjae. Uh, similarly to to Willie Z, Sungjae is kind of trending slightly back into maybe some form we saw, uh, you know, before COVID when when he kind of won down in Florida. So. I like Sanjay. I don't know what his ownership is right now, but again, another opportunity to buy low. Jason? Yeah, I like Sanjay too. Um, I think the most interesting guy in this range to me is Matthew Wolf. Uh, he does really well on easy courses, so that's a big thing for me. I was just kind of pulling the stats on easy courses. And Birdie or Better, we know that he kills in that category. He's fourth in Birdie or Better on easy courses. He kind of seems to be trending his game back in the right direction. Obviously, with him, it's a little bit fragile at times, but I like him, especially if this is a birdie fast. I feel like he can really put up the numbers. So I think Matthew Wolf is my favorite in this range, but I do like Sanjay a lot too. I feel like Sanjay's form hasn't been amazing or anything recently, but he was T9 last year and T60 year before too here. So I feel like obviously he likes this course. I feel like his game fits his course too. So I like both of those guys a lot in this range. Yeah, I mean, both the all well, Wolf's never on my list anymore. He's still dead to me. So uh Wolf is a no for me. <laughs> Uh, Wolf well, will always say one thing. One thing about Wolf that I'm kind of concerned of, but I, I almost imagine maybe he just not like, caring about it. That if if he does have to go less than driver, then we're taking a little bit of his one of his weapons away because, like at the U.S. Point. Open, you know, he he kind of contended he finished 15th because he can hit it long and straight when he's on, uh, and, and that it, he didn't even have. Um, when was it at the at the yeah the rocket rocket mortgage? No, it was yeah it was at the U.S. Open actually. So he had gained six strokes off the tee, but less than one approach and still finished fifteenth. 
So yeah, the, the driver can be a big strength for his. We know how long he is, but I, but I also kind of am worried that he might just say, screw it and take driver off the tee anyway, and try to cut corners and, you know, have 50 Good yards work. into his, his approach. So, you know, I'm not sure what he does, but if he does take away the driver and go some irons off the tee, I worry that that might take away one of his advantages. What are your guys' thoughts on Brian Harmon? Now, Brian Harmon isn't a long hitter, and he's not even a guy that you normally think of as a flashy player or anything like that. But I, I forget whether I did the last 24 or 36 rounds. I forget, but he's top 10 putting on Bermuda, top 10 birdies are better, and he's top 10 in that 400 to 450, you know, par four range. So that's a lot of check marks for this week. But yet both of you guys, you know, avoid him. Is it the sticker shock that's scary with Brian Harmon at 9,900? Is this maybe just not the course for him? Or, or, or what, what, what's your thoughts on him there? So for me, it's just how he's trending. When I keep saying trending, it's like mm -hmm. the progression of what ball striking stats say over, you know, a kind of a timeline of rounds. And we, Brian Harmon has played really, really well in, in the spring and the kind of early summer. You know, great mm -hmm. at the U.S. Open, great at the Charles Schwab, Wells Fargo, RBC, Masters, the players, everything. He had a great early kind of part um, yeah, of the spring and summer. Mm -hmm. But the ball striking is kind of tailoring off a bit where he lost strokes on approach at the St. Jude. Uh, we don't get strokes gained data at the open, but he finished 19th. I think a lot of that was to his putting. Mm -hmm. Missed cut at the John Deere, which is incredibly surprising. Mm -hmm. uh, lost almost two at the Travelers. And, and so I, I just worry that he's going in the wrong direction. And so, yeah, at a Brian Harmon, who's almost 10K and he's may maybe going in the wrong direction and he might be high owned. It, I just can't uh, can't see myself playing him. Jason, do you agree there? Yeah, 100 percent. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same exact boat. I think just his game in general is trending in the wrong direction right now. And we saw him last week at, I think, what is it, 74, 7,500, something like that. So it, it almost made him a no brainer to play him. Now you're talking about, you know, $2,400 more expensive this week. I don't know. I try not to let this, the prices get in too much in my head, but I feel like with where his game is right now and the way it's trending, I don't feel like I could pay 9,900 for Armin. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> That's fair. That's fair. I, 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 he was on my maybe list. I was just curious where your thoughts were on him. Um, because again, I, I kind of felt the same way as you, but then when I was researching some other stats, they're like, I mean, he, he, he looks like he should do well at a course like this, but yeah, it, it sometimes certain things you read just don't line up with what it really is. So 8K range, you know, another great range of names in here. here here's where we get to some guys that are really in need of a good weekend this year or, or this week, uh, you know, for the FedEx Cup standings. You got Robert McIntyre, who doesn't need it, obviously, at 8,900. Kevin Nye, you got Woodland, Ricky Fowler. I think he's sitting right around 125, 120 in the FedEx Cup standings. He needs a good weekend. You got Samus Power. You got Kevin Kisner. You got Streelman, uh, Charles Schwartzel, Rose, EVR. You know, you got, got quite a few names here. Um, we'll mix it up for one one range. Jason, <laughs> you can go first. Uh, you got a favorite play in this AK range? So I have two. I know Rob wants to talk about one of them, so I'm going to let him talk about that one. Um, I like Rob. Are you there? Did I lose him? No, I lost him too. Yeah, your, your mic went dead there. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you yeah. now, buddy. Okay, sorry. I don't know what happened. Something came up on my screen. Anyways, so I'm going to let Rob talk about the guy that I think he wants to talk about. So I'm going to talk about Robert McIntyre, 8,900. Um, he's been playing some great golf, not only in the U.S., but overseas as well. He's in the mix for the European Ryder Cup team, so I like that you know narrative a little bit. 
he's projected super at super low ownership this week. I think he let some people down the last couple of weeks a little bit. So I really like him. I think he's by far the class of the AK range. I think he's just the best golfer in this range. So his stats aren't going to pop out necessarily at you, but I feel like in terms of talent, I think he's the most talented guy in this range. I agree with you 100%. I, I love McIntyre. Just like I like Code Crack. They're guys that people aren't talking about, They're have, but they're having good, really, really, really good years. Uh, so what's the guy that, Rob, that he thinks you're going to talk about ever so much? I think it's Woodland, right, Jason? That's correct, yep. Yeah, I, I, I love Gary. And I, last I checked that his ownership is is, is pretty low. Um, and, and so one thing, Gary's not going to pop out on the page because he, he can't, you know, hit, he doesn't hit a lot of fairways or he hasn't recently. But here's one thing I did really like. And so I kind of looked at, okay, what's maybe some – proximity stats from 200 yards out so if i'm taking a you know four iron or a three you know three wood or whatever off the tee because i'm taking away driver you know who who might hit some good shots or kind of consistently with that and actually gary woodland ranks in the top uh 10 in proximity from 200 and so that might not be something that actually can kind of correlate to this week but it gives me some hope that without the driver in his hand, he can kind of hit it in the fairway um, th th this week. But I really love, again, I keep bringing it up about how, how he's trending. And so I, you know, he's, he's kind of coming in pretty well, but I really love how he played last week at the Barracuda, the last two rounds. He only made one bogey over the weekend and we, we don't get strokes gain stats from them, but only made one bogey, <clears throat> uh, left a lot of putts out there. I was kind of sweating Roger Sloan and, uh, in that tournament. So I got to watch the Barracuda that night and had opportunities to even be closer. Uh, but anyway, but he's gained on approach every single tournament that strokes gains data is kept since the Valspar in May. And so if he can just get it in the fairway, he, he, he gives himself opportunities and he's kind of trending a little nicely with the putter. I know there's so much variance with putting, but I kind of like to see who you know, might be trending in that way as well. And so with the combined ownership, the the win equity we've seen in the past with Gary Woodland, it just seems like a great a great DFS play. Absolutely. All right, so I'm going to give you guys a couple names. They were all my my maybe list here in this 8K range. Uh, Kevin Kisner, same as Power. Um, where's my list here? Charles Schwartzer, who I've been high on having a quietly a really good resurgence this year, and Kevin Struelman. Those four names, if I had to play one and move them onto my – definite list which one am i move, moving over oh wow well you know, not, won a lot of events lately and finished in the top 10 he's not a guy i typically play but you know his recent success has been really strong kevin kisner mm -hmm. checks a lot of good boxes and like i said charles had a quiet resurgence this year and streelman i i, I don't know he, he he seems like he should do well here but he's missed i think two out of the last three cuts here at this event wow well, Jason, I'll let you go first because I kind of have a maybe a hot take on, on Kisner. <laughs> okay. I like it. So my pick in this range is, is Streelman. I really like Streelman a lot. I feel like this may be the best year of his career, to be honest with you. He's sixth in the field in T to green, eighth in approach, 13 in greens regulation. I just feel like his game is rolling. I do – I will put a little disclaimer. I do like him better on harder courses. I mean, he's been great in majors this year. I do like him when the course is a little bit more difficult, but I think he can score a little bit. Do I think he's going to win this week? No, but could I see a top 10? I think so. So I like Streamlin a lot. He's my favorite okay. of those guys. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that too. In, in my like, long-term model, so it's over 50 rounds, Streamlin ranks actually number one. Um, so okay. yeah, he, yeah he, he's solid. And 
uh, you know, someone pointed out, I can't remember who it was, but, you know, Streelman was, if I can just pull him up real quick, and I want to go over this because I think, yeah, it was Andy Lack when he actually came on my show on Monday and described it's kind of a little bit of a game theory. So after the U.S. Open, where he finished 15th, and I think he was very low owned, he was extremely high owned at the Travelers and John Deere. And he just burned everybody and then had a 19th at, at the kind of open at severely low, low ownership. And so people, you know, I think he's projected in the low teens right, right now, which I, I will take because he's if you take away the John Deere and Travelers, he's playing like a guy since May that should be in the 10K in, in this field. Um, so I, I'm right there with you on Streelman. But the guy I wanted to bring up just Kisner. I've heard his name mentioned a lot, especially yeah. today, and I'm really, really fearful to play play him because he's trending, in my model, one of the worst in the field. And so at the wow. St. Jude last week was just terrible ball striking. And that can be because he hit a couple in the water, but those are likely off the tee. And so he lost nine strokes on approach, which wow. for Kisner, it's usually his, his bread and butter. Um, he lost 12 strokes gained just total overall, and he's only gained strokes on approach two of his last <clears throat> almost yeah, nine tournaments that strokes and data is kept. And so that that really, really worries me. And, you know, can he turn it around? Sure. But uh, his putter is going to have to be hot, I think, for him to contend. But he's just not hitting the ball as as well as I would like to to kind of buy or own any shares of them. Yeah. Well, that, that, I mean, I don't even need to hear anymore. I, I, he's not even on the list anymore with a question mark. He's just, <laughs> I just scribble his name right off the list right there. You know what's funny, too, about Kisner is that I've been hearing the same things today. I've been listening to some podcasts today and hearing the same things. And it's just like, you look at the stats, like you said, the stats don't really line up. He hasn't been good lately at all. And I mean, I think he's like 63 in the T73 in his last two events. Like, he's not playing right. great. And I, I was hearing today, he's a cash game lock and all this stuff like that. I'm oh, just like, no. People. People must be looking at something that I'm not looking at because, yeah. All right, so we're getting a yeah. question here. You know, Kevin Na, why is there no love for Kevin Na? Let me bring back up Kevin Na here at 8,800. Um, why is there no love for Kevin Na? Let's answer it. Well, I'll, I'll go because he hasn't gained strokes on approach in his last, let's see, it looks like 13 or twice, only twice out of his last 13 uh, tournaments. So, so just not, not great. And that the only time he did was when he finished second at the John Deere and he finished second because he gained over six strokes with, with, with the putter. So the putter will have to be, be hot, but he's going to have to hit greens. Green regulations are going to be key here. Um, but yeah, if he loses strokes approach, like he has in almost every tournament since February, he, he's not, he's not going to do well. Um, so that, that that's why I don't think anyone's talking about Kez Kisner. I mean, uh, Kevin Na. Jason, what do you think? Kevin Na. Yeah, Kevin. Na. For me, it's for me it seems overly simple, but I just think he's mispriced. I think I don't really understand how he's at the top of this range. I feel like his price should be about eight thousand. I, I think he's about eight hundred dollars too expensive. And I that's one of the first things in my process each week was I'll I'll just go through and try to find guys that are either underpriced or overpriced. And he was actually one of my first guys that I found that I thought was overpriced this week. I feel like with his track record right now, and like you said, with his approach game, the way it is, I just feel like he should be at the lower end of the eight K's, not the higher end. So yeah, I, it's I, a no I, never, I try in these kind of events not to fall for the sticker shock, but then someone like Kevin, not 8,800. I, I, that was exactly my, my opinion on him as well was, yeah, I just, 
you can justify if you want to get somebody that's normally in the 7K pricing 9K. If you can find a justification for it, sure, great, use that person. But if, if you literally have to spend hours trying to figure out why should I play this guy, then he's just overpriced. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's jump into this 7K range. I got, I got a lot of names I like in the 7K range. Guys that do well at Birdie Fest. Um, guys that just love these easier fields. Guys that are in the 6K range normally that are in the 7K range. Um, but I'm just going to start right out. The, the top guy on the list, Brent, Brent Snedeker, um, said it a couple weeks ago. You play Brent, you play Sneds at Sneds courses. He's won here twice. Um, he's a guy that I'm going to use a lot of this week. Am yeah, I wrong? Or? No, it's, it's hard not to play Snedeker. And, you know, there's some some glimpses. He could be coming back to some form we saw a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the open, finished 19th, 3M, finished 11th, gained on approach. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I assume the open, but definitely the Rocket Mortgage and the 3M before that. Um, there's definitely signs, and he has the course history. And if he's not going to be overly popular, uh, it's kind of the same thing with Webb. I mean, it, you know, maybe he's the poor man version of Webb. And if we're getting a severely ownership discount uh, on Brandt, why not play him? Yeah. Jason? So for, I'm probably not going to play him, to be honest with you. I just feel like there's better options in this high 7K range for me. Um, to be honest with you, I love this range. I, I can probably talk about like 20 different guys in this range that I like. So um, for me, there's I built a test lineup with just 7K guys in it and felt very comfortable with it. So the, the 7K range for, is loaded. Yeah, I think for the, for the Stedeker point, it's just – the lack of upside kind of worries me a little bit. I just feel like there's guys in this range that have a higher upside. Um, like Johnny Vegas is one of them. Like he's been in amazing form recently. And I feel like his upside, especially at easier courses, is much higher than Seneca's. So, yeah, there's just a lot of guys I like more than Sneds. Okay, that's fair enough. Well, then who do you – so is Vegas your favorite play in this range or um, – I do like Vegas a lot. Um, I like Taylor Gooch a lot this week too. You know how I feel about Taylor Gooch in general. Um, he's T25 here last guy. year. Yeah. I just love the guy. Pretty much whenever he's in the in DraftKings, I play him anyway. So if he I feel like he fits his course a lot though. He's sixth in approach in this field, twenty-two in T to green. Um coming off a T thirty-three at the open, which I was actually surprised about. I worry about him on tougher courses and he played pretty well at the open too. So I feel like his game fits his course, and I feel like especially on easier courses, he's a birdie maker. So I love Taylor Gooch this week. Yeah, t- Taylor Gooch may be my favorite play and my top owned guy. I'm huge on Taylor Gooch. Gooch I've been talking about it all week on Twitter and on all, you know, my show on, on Monday. And a lot of it because the stats you you just mentioned, but also I think uh, you know, just from the eye test, and this is no data that backs backs this up. It's just from you know my subjective perspective is, but is that Taylor Gooch is going to be you know, maybe not a superstar, but he's going to be a star on, on tour, you know, kind of like what we're seeing from Sam Burns right now. I think we're going to see um, from, from Gooch. And the only thing that's been holding him back is the off the tee stats. And if he doesn't need the driver this week, or if he's having a good, good, um, good week off the tee, he, he could kill it. I, I think last year, after three rounds, he I think he was in the top five and shot a 71 on, on Sunday to kind of fall fall back. So he was he was right in it. So I, I love Taylor Gooch. And it might be one of those things where we're, we're talking about the Wyndham next year and we're going to say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Taylor Gooch was 7,700 in 2021. Yeah. 
It's very, very possible. I, I, I love him this week. Another name, actually, I think this name, and, and Jason, this will be for you because you got your ownership proje- projections up all the time. Um, a guy I feel like that might be underpriced is Hank Le- Lebiota. Um, 7,600. He missed the cut at his last event, the 3M Open, but he was making that cut. He had a withdrawal. He had a family. His father was very sick. They had an eighth, a fourth, and a fifth in his three events before that. The guy's played really good golf. I can't believe he's only 7,600 in this event. So ownership says he's going to be at 18% right now. That's what the projections say on Fantasy, Fantasy National. So I don't know. For me, I feel like he's starting to slow down a little bit. He was playing out of his mind. Like We've never seen him putt the way he was putting for a while. And I just feel like that's slowing down a little bit. And I feel like he's due for a regression in that category. So for me, at 18%, I'm not going to play him. If he was going to be you know, 8%, I would 100% play him. So I don't know. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I'm on the same boat. It's kind of a wait and see with the ownership. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's trending. He was actually hitting the ball really well on top of putting well, which is why we saw those great results. But yeah, I, I'm hope I'm not hoping, but I'm expecting to see some regression. Uh, but we're already maybe seeing some slight, very very slight regression possibly with the ball striking too. So it just has me concerned. But um, yeah, if, if he was at 10, percent he would likely be in my player pool. He still might. I, I'm taking a wait and see. So here's the question, then, because I think his price is why his ownership percentage is higher. If he was sure. 82, 8,500, that ownership percentage would be obviously a lot Very less. Hard. And then he may mm-hmm. be definitely in your pools then, or more of a, a play for you guys. I mean, I, I think that's why I always wait. I don't make any lineups, so I, I hear ownership projections from Jason because, you know, I think I think it's very important there. Um, where else are we yeah, looking at, guys? Nice. That's a great point. Um, I like Ches Revy a lot this week, 7,400. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming off pretty good re- uh, form recently. He was T11 at the 3M, T18 at the John Deere. Kind of similar, easier fields, uh, easier courses too as well. He's second in approach, fifth in birdie or better, and 15 in green regulations on easier courses over the last 50 rounds. So I feel like this course kind of sets up really well for him. He's obviously not a bomber. We know he's not going to hit the ball, but you don't have to hit the ball far in this uh you know, this course. So he hasn't had great history here. He's two of four made cuts, but I don't know. I feel like he kind of lines up to have a pretty good week this week. Yeah. And I like, yeah, I like two guys that are actually very similar in their statistics. So maybe just clump it together and be quick with it. But Zach Johnson, who I, just, I bet outright too, and kind of Ryan Moore, they're trending very similar, similarly to their ball striking um, history on, on their side with how well they're, they are with their wedges. Um, and, yeah, and so ever since 12 rounds ago, we're seeing the the kind of old mm-hmm. Zach Johnson a little bit. Dude, the last 24, 50, yeah, he's, he hasn't been good. But lately he's, he's hit the ball pretty well. And I think he's kind of underperformed um, based on his uh, you know results in some of these tournaments. Like the 34th at the John Deere, I can't make sense of. You know, he did lose almost a stroke game putting, but almost gained five on approach and almost gained five on approach at the Travelers. And finish 25th there. I, I think he's underperforming um, with how well he's playing. And with that, we're going to get because a lot of people just look at, you know, the DraftKings. They go to Zach Johnson's page and they see where did he finish in the tournament, and they're going to see 35 and 25th and think, gosh, well that's not great. But if you dive closer, he's actually hitting the ball really well, and I, I think it's a great opportunity to buy Zach Johnson with, um, you know, possibly being being low owned. I'm not sure nine percent right now or 7% on Fantasy National. So, um, yeah, going to be a buy-low opportunity. Yeah. They, they were both on the – make great points there. So, I got, I got one other name in this upper 7K range. So, I, I 
did no research on this guy. One of the last things I always do is I, when I bring up the DraftKings thing for the show, you know, I, I just I just separate out like top tens, you know, fantasy points per round or you know per per event, things like that. And the guy that's actually third in fantasy points this year in this event in this field is again I'm going to butcher his name, Mito Pereira. I think I'm saying it right. The Chilean. Yeah. Um, yep. The guy is third in fantasy points. You know, in this field. Um, he didn't do great last week at the Barracuda, um, but the guy's actually played really good golf. He's got one, two, three, four, four of his last eight events over a hundred points scored fantasy wise. Um, so that means he obviously scores means he makes birdies. Um, some of those events were on the corn Ferry tour. So different circumstances and stuff like that. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on him? I, I he, he just, I just scribbled his name off to the side as we were five minutes before going on the air. Well, I'll just say one thing. It's as I just speared, like spilled my beer all over me. Uh, I'll just say if you, <laughs> if this is a bird, if this is a birdie fest, uh, Mito's your guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that too. He's been in really good form. T six at the three M, T five at the Barbasol, and T thirty four at the John Deere. He's. I don't know if he's ready to to compete on harder courses, but courses like this that are super easy, I like him a lot. He like like uh, Rob just said, he's a scorer. So yeah, I like him a lot. He's projected right now at twelve percent ownership. Okay. I have a feeling that's going to go up to like 16 or 17% before it's all said and done. So it's not, it's just me not paying attention all year to him for some reason that, that that's why I don't really know him or have any thoughts on him. All right. So got a couple other names here in this seven K range. I'm just going to throw them out. Cause again, just like the AK range, got a lot of names in my maybe list here. I got Brendan Gracie. I got Kazari. <clears throat> I got, uh, where are they? We already agreed on them. Um, where are the rest of my seven K? I got Hogue. I've got list. I got Hubbard. I got CT Pan, who uh, you know has done pretty well at this event before. Um, any any of those names jump out as you as names I should play? Well, I'm with you on Hogue. I really like Hogue a lot. Um, you know, Gim. Maybe I'm kind of wait and see. But yeah, real, really high on on Hogue. I like that call. So I like Hogue too. Um, I, I have three guys in the bottom half of this range that I absolutely love. Hogue is one of them. Um, Mark Hubbard's the other one. I really like Hubbard a lot too. If he gets the flat stick rolling at all, he's gonna. I think he can contend. Will he win? I don't know, but I think top ten could be in the cards for sure. So I like him a lot. And then my sleeper of the week this week is gonna be Doc Redman. Four um, percent ownership. He's right now. I just that. feel like you always love your Doc. There's Doc and there's Lanto. They're your two guys every week. Doc Lanto and Gooch are my guys. But yeah. uh, easier courses. I just love him. He's a scorer, and I feel like. He just sets up perfectly. I, I ran into my model on easy courses, and he was fourth in the model. So I like him a lot this week, especially if it goes low. I think he's a guy that can go low, and especially at 4%. Worship, I love that. Sounds good. All right. Any guys in the four, or 6K range? 4K range. Yeah, that would be really fun. Um, the 6K nice, range yeah. here. Um, Jim Herman, is he going to have another great week this week? Anybody we like down there? So I'll, I'll give you a few. I like really like Brian Stewart. He's trending really, really nicely with his ball striking. Uh, Russell Knox too. This is a very much of a Russell Knox course. Uh, I, I'm just waiting for some positive regression with Russell Knox and his ball striking. And so I'll keep buying until we see it, especially if he's 6,700 um, over the last 50 rounds, strengths fifth in my model. Um, not so much in the most current rounds, but I, I'm waiting for some positive regression. Uh, could be a big, Big Duffner week, too. Um, and the yeah. other guy, or actually, there's two guys. I like Sloan, but I do want to talk, or Norlander is actually my favorite. So I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, talk about Norlander. Great, great trend. 
Uh, Davis Thompson, the young guy out of UGA, he'll be he'll be great. But Michael Gellerman, who's men price, just pops everywhere for me. And I want to give you some of his approach numbers recently, and they're incredible. And so this is in the last six tournaments where he's gained eight or eight over eight, over three, over four, over five, over four. And the, the, those last six tournaments, the only thing that's holding him back <laughs> is he's lost strokes game putting on almost every single one of those tournaments. And he's, he can be solid off the tee. Um, he can be great with, with the wedges too. If he can just, you know, putt well, and none of that's the high variance with putting. So we don't know, but uh, at minimum price, I don't know why I should at least have some shares of them. Absolutely. Great. I, I, I didn't even notice his name at the bottom of the list. I had him in the three M open in my player pool and <clears throat> for a lot of the same reasons you had just said. So Jason, anybody down there in that seven or six K range? So Stewart's my favorite too, but I want to ask Rob, um, what do you think? So I'm seeing 13% ownership for Brian Stewart this week. Is that enough to scare you away? Or are you still good with him at 13%? Yeah, it kind of, you know, kind of depends on the the lower tier guys. I'm kind of, and it depends weekly, but kind of go back and forth on what I want to do. Um, if if he was seven or eight K, then I, it's easier for me to fade uh, a guy maybe who might be high owned, but a, a minimum price guy where they don't need to do much to kind of reach their value. I don't have a problem, you know, buying into a guy that um, is in the six K range, but. If, if that number creeps up and, you know, more and more people talking about kind of steward, then I actually will, will love the idea of pivoting to a guy like Sloan or Knox uh, because he they are, you know, a, a Hubbard if we have more salary to go up to the 7K range just because you might get more uh, or there's a thinner line to my how they might results might add up. So, for example, if Brian Stewart is at 13 percent at you know, 6,900 and he finishes you know, 28th, but, you know, let's say a guy like Russell Knox, who's $200 cheaper is coming in at 5% and he finishes 33rd, you know, you're actually, your lineup has to be less right if you have Russell Knox, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah. Cause I was thinking the same thing about Stewart. I saw the ownership number and it kind of scared me a little bit just cause I don't we love to go, you know, double digit guys in the 6K range, but I feel like he's set up perfectly for this course. He's been obviously really good form. Uh, he's third in fairways gain. And an interesting stat this week for me is three putt avoidance. I kind of, I didn't put it way too heavily in my motto, but I did put it in a little bit. And he's seventh in three putt avoidance. So I like him. Uh, another guy I like in this range is Bryce Garnett. Um, he's just another guy that I just always love, especially on easy courses. Uh, T16 at the 3M. He's sixth in fairways gain and 20 in three putt avoidance. He's a guy too that, if he gets it rolling with putter, he could, he's a guy that can contend any given week. So obviously he's not a high end, you know, guy that's going to win the tournament, but a top 25, I'd be very happy with that. So I like that a lot too. And I was going to bring up Duffner too and ask Phil what he thought about that. Cause I know you're a big Duff daddy. Fan, <laughs> I just so. love the Duffner. I don't know. It's because it sounds like Duff beer. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I've always been a Duffner fan. I got one other name. I mean, he hasn't done great every single week I've played him, but he's only been on tour for a little bit. Austin Eckroat, I will ride with him for the next year or two. Whenever I need a one or two cheap guys just to throw in at the bottom of the lineup, Austin Eckroat's the guy. The guy's actually, you know, if you put any weight into the average fantasy points you score per tournament, you know, he's 10th in this field in points scored. So, you know, you need somebody at 63, 6,400, whatever he is, you know, again, just like Gellerman, which I actually, now that you brought he's in the field, 
he's actually going to probably jump Ekrot in the usage for me because I do Uh-oh. love Gellerman. Um, but yeah, Ekrot <laughs> is my guy when I need a cheap unknown to, to balance out my lineup. And we got we got some Huntman 10. Love you, buddy. Thanks for coming on the show a few weeks back. Um, yeah, Garnett's a great play this week. Yeah, Huntman's a good dude. Yeah, we love Huntman. He is a good dude. He was great on our show a few weeks ago. All right, so, you know, Rob, what we do real quick, we're uh, each going to pick a lineup live on the air. I'm going to send out an invite. You know, one of us eventually has to um, beat Jason because it seems like Jason wins every single week. It's just a friendly $1 wager um, to see who's the smartest, really. So uh, you get to pick see who's the smartest. Yeah, which we know Jason is. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I cry myself to sleep every week when I lose. Um, so as the guest, you get to pick the lineup. This is the lineup you have to enter. So okay. you want to pick a lineup. You tell me who you want in your lineup. Not Adam well, see, or Austin Eckrode. I'll take his name off. Of yeah, 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 I'm not playing Eckrode. And so, and so, right, this is this is just a head-to-head with Jason. Yeah, the three of us were the only three in there. So ownership percentages can basically go out the window. Yeah, that, that makes makes sense. Well, and I'm going to start just because he's probably going to be my top guy and go with with the Gooch. He, Gooch is going to be my, uh, my my first guy off the board. Okay. All right, next up. Next guy is going to be Gary Woodland. Okay. And then that, now I'm going to go up to the high-end part and go with, with Russell Henley. Again, chalk in the GPPs, but in cash or um, not, not to play him. Um, and, and then I'm going to go down and try to get a little sa- salary relief and a guy that we actually kind of didn't really t- um, talk about, but, uh, and that's going to be Keith Mitchell. I love how Keith Mitchell's rolling the ball. He's actually driving the ball a little better. That's uh, kind, kind of what hurts him, but I think this is a Keith Mitchell tournament. And then I'm going to go with uh, Zach Johnson, you know, just a couple hundred higher. I'll leave you with 9,600 to close out your lineup. 9,600. And so with 9,600, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, exactly on the number. I'm going to go with Sung Jay. Okay. I, I, I love this lineup, actually. Um, a couple of these guys are guys that I'm going to be playing a lot of this week, especially Taylor Gooch. Um, I think this is a really, really strong lineup here. Jason, what are your thoughts on his lineup here? It's pretty solid. It looks like a second base lineup to me, though. Second place lineup, of course. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Here we go. Jason's getting a little big headed because he's one. I'm kidding. I'm just messing around. All right, Jason, you're up and on the board. No, it's your turn, bud. Oh, I got to go first. Oh man. Uh, Well, we're gonna go with Hank Lebiota. I love Lebiota this week. I know you guys aren't as high on him, uh, but we'll go with him. Um, Right there in that Gooch category, another guy I love to play in these types of events. We didn't even talk about him, Joel Dahman. Um, Gonna roll with him. Um, cause I, I got to find somebody opposite of Gooch cause you guys picked them, you picked them already. Um, let me see here. Where's my list of names here? Oh man. We'll go Sneds. Cause like I said, I always play Snedeker and Snedeker courses. I don't have to worry about anything. All right. So there's my Sneds. We're going to go high end. We're going to go Coke rack. Cause I do like him this week. Um, let's see, where am I at now? I'm just kind of guessing here as I go. This is why I don't wing Cause I just kind of wing it. Um, what am I doing there? <laughs> just kind of wing it. Uh, where we're gonna go? We're gonna go McIntyre. That is gonna drop me down to eighty four hundred for my last spot. Where are we at there with eighty four hundred? We got Kisner. We got Streelman. Uh, we're gonna go Mito. Why not? Let's mess around. This is, I, I got. I got to try to change uh, things up to beat Jason here. You know, that was my sleeper too. Yeah. Well, you know, 
I kind of brought him up already. So there we go. Right, right. I, I got to try to write this down really fast so I don't forget. Lebiota, Domin. I can send it to you too. I got it. Yeah, I know, but I I, I hate waiting for you. All right, <laughs> we're done here. All right, Jason, you're up. All right, I'm Where starting with my man, Mark Hubba Hubbard. Oh no! Should we just give him his give him our dollars already? <laughs> oh god! So I'm going Hubbard. I'm going to go Mito as well. Oh, you're going to match. You're going to match me. Very rarely do we have yeah. you know crossovers here. Um, I'm going to go all the way to the top. I'm going to go Decky. Okay. Leaves me with eight thousand. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to put in Ches Reby at seventy four. Um, and then I'm going to go Streelman. Okay. And then uh, Gooch. Gooch, you're copying off of all of our lineups here. Solid. I know, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think this might be the week you lose. You said that the last 12 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, nah, it's okay. It's all right. You know. This is, it's actually a really strong lineup, Jason. I might actually enter this lineup in my max entry. You got to send me this one because I, I really do like this lineup a lot. You know. So just we, to let we, Rob know, I I actually enter all three lineups in my whoever the guest is. I'll enter all three lineups in a GPP each week. So. Oh, nice. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think you already hinted at it, Rob. Um, who's your pick to win this event? Do you and, and on top of that, do you have how many bets do you like? Give us some of your favorite bets that you've got this week. Sure. So my, my pick to win is Taylor Gooch, and I'm going to mm-hmm. pull my little my outright card up right now. But I I have Russell Henley. I have Russell Henley. Big on him. Um, have Bobby Mack. Big Bobby Mack guy. We kind of went over that. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Johnson. Big on Zach Johnson. Um, and then the oh Kevin Streelman. Bet bet Kevin Streelman as well. And uh, the final guy is Norlander at 150 to one. So just to wrap it up, I got really? Gooch 55 to one, uh, Bobby Mack at 40 to one, Gary Woodland was the guy I missed at 45, Streelman at 45, ZJ Zach Johnson at 70 to one, and Norlander at 150 to one. Gotcha, Jason. So I have Streelman and Gooch as well. All right, um, I like both those guys. Like both those numbers too. Um, I bet Doc Redman at 130 to one. I bet Chez at eighty to one and Stewart at hundred to one are my other three outrights. Okay, gotcha. going with the long shots. Yeah, I, I haven't actually made any bets yet, um, but Gooch is on my list, and so is actually Norlander. We we didn't really talk about him that much, but mm-hmm. for some reason he just you know strikes me as a guy that you know can have a really decent run this weekend. And I will probably I don't even know what his odds are yet, but I will probably <clears> throw a, a Hank Lebiota bet out there. I, I disagree with the trending backwards a little bit with you guys. I, I do like Lebiota a lot. The 18% scares me now. But as a bet to win, I, I do like Lebiota this week. Um, but, yeah, so Lebiota, you know, Gooch for sure. I, I, I think Gooch is probably the strongest play on fantasy and in betting this week. I really think this is his week to win it this week. I agree, and I hope you're right. I hope I'm right, too. So I'm going to be putting him in a hell of a lot of lineups and betting him. So he better. Um, anyway, real quick, before we get off the air, obviously you've had a lot of success and all, if you can impart any advice, cause this first year of doing this show, I mean, fantasy golf is still a, a fairly new, you know, niche kind of thing. There's not millions of players like there is for fantasy football or basketball. What's your key piece of advice that we, as, as we try to teach people and get them more familiar with this sport 
and, and, the, and this way of doing fantasy. What's your best piece of advice you can give the novice players out there? Yeah, so first would be to kind of enter the right contest. And so, you know, it could be you know, really appealing to think, okay, I'm going to enter, you know, just a couple lineups in the Millie Maker and use all your bankroll for just, you know, if you're, you know, just making a hundred, you know, a hundred, you have a hundred dollars your bankroll and you're just using all those in, into like five Millie Maker lineups. Um, you're really at a disadvantage to the people who make, make a ton. So, you know, if your bankroll small, three entry max or 20 entry max or single entry, those, those are the way to go. And then the other pieces that I see often with with a lot of newcomers is that your player pool is is largely too large, um, and, and so just you try to shrink your player pool because sometimes we think that if I have more guys in it, it gives me more win equity to win a GPP. But really, you're just almost hedging your own strategy, and you're kind of like diluting your upside a little bit. So um, keep your player pool as tight as possible and enter the right contests and. If you can do that and you continue to sharpen your tools, the, you'll you'll have success in the long term in DFS. I think you do two key things there that you brought up. And and one is your player pool. Because I, I, I won't lie. My player pool used to be way too big. And I've just slowly over time learned how to trim it down, get it to that right number, depending on the event amount of events you enter. Right. But also finding the right events because that's me. I was doing – here, I'll throw one entry in this three max over here. I'll throw one over here in a million maker. You know, I just stick to the 20 max. I, I figured out – the right player pool number, the 20 max entry, I, whether I do the quarter jukebox or dollar entry or whatever, you know, just find something you're comfortable with, but stick to it because as you adjust things, you, you can really start, you know, figuring that niche of the uh, the area out a little. Like Jason loves his cash games. He's figured that out and his player pool out for that. Me, you know, the the, the 20 max entries, got my player pool to a right number and, and, and that's what I think. So, you know, don't go big. Like if you're a millionaire player in football, you don't, that doesn't mean you're a millionaire player in, right. in golf, you know, right. you, you got to figure it out and learn it because it's a different sport. Jason, any right. thoughts on what he said there? No, I think it's great advice. And I've kind of heard Rob talk about this on some of his shows too. And I kind of want to echo this thought is come up with a process, do the same thing every week, tweak it. You don't necessarily have to, like, I think I heard you say this on one of the shows this week is, you know, just cause you have one or two bad weeks in a row, don't completely just start from scratch and say, okay, I didn't win using that strategy. I'm going to start over again kind of tweak your process each week. And I feel like even the best players are, you're always going to tweak it. You're always going to find each year, the people are getting sharper and sharper in this industry. So I feel like you need to tweak it a little bit. Like it used to be certain stats that you played or, or certain game theory that you played. It, it changes all the time. So don't be afraid to change, but at the same time, stick to the process that gets you the best results. Just keep yeah. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's there's this thing called like loss aversion that naturally happens within our mind. We lose a couple weeks in a row and it sucks to lose. It makes us down. Yeah. It makes us depressed. And so then our mind tries to protect us to say we have to change everything up or we have to not invest as enough as we normally do. And it just throws consistency out the, out the window. So it's just like, yeah, trust your process and, and kind of believe in it because you can pick all we can talk about like Gooch, for example, you know, he, he I, I believe he's a great play, but I always like to conceptualize it like this. Let's say this tournament was was played 100 weekends in a row and Taylor Gooch makes the cut 75 out of those 100 tournaments. And maybe he finishes top 25 50 times and maybe he wins 15 times. So that that's great. But maybe this week is that week where he missed the cut in those 30 simulations of that tournament. So that doesn't make him a bad play. We only need to know, or we only can know if it's a bad play if they play that tournament every single you know weekend of the year. 
And so just because you had a guy, he emceed, you missed the cut, doesn't actually mean it makes him a bad play. And so sometimes it's just helpful to kind of remember that because you don't have to, you kind of you jump out of the boat and, and kind of get to something new if, if you have a bad week. Absolutely. All right, Jason, anything else to add before we wrap this up and thank this, uh, this guest for showing up this week? No, I just want to thank Rob. Um, I'm a big fan of his. You can definitely learn a lot from his show. And I like the way that um, you kind of do your show. I, I, there's a lot of guys that, that have shows out there and they, they do their picks like us each week. Um, but I like yours. He's how, bashing trying to show you. right now. Yeah. But no, <laughs> well, no. Rob's show is unique in the fact that he's trying to teach you something. And I think you can learn a lot from it. And a rep, rep, you know, if you've been playing for two years or you've been playing for five years, I feel like you can still learn a lot. And I love Rob's shows each Monday night. So I really appreciate you coming on too. Again, Rob, oh, your shows that. on Monday night. Is it just on Twitter? That's where I've watched it and all. Yeah, it's just kind of, kind of Twitter right now. We may try to do uh, you know an official podcast here soon. But yeah, right now you can check it on on Monday nights. Um, at DFSRC Guilt, DFSRC G I L T. That's where you can find Rob. Hey, Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show again. We greatly appreciate. it. I feel like I learned something tonight, even. You know, so much appreciated having you on. You're welcome on our show anytime you want to come on. In fact, I'll just take a back seat and won't even be on the show. You can just do the <laughs> show for me. You obviously know way more than I do about all this stuff. Well, guys, it was so much fun, and I love to come back anytime. This was this was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Hey, everybody, again, this is Fairway to Heaven on DSM Media. Don't forget anybody watching the DSM Media tailgate August 22nd at the Link parking lot. We'll be doing a three-hour live show. We got Devontae Smith jersey. We got tickets to the Eagles open practice. I know this is a golf show, but I got to promote the Eagles open practice tailgate. We're going to have a lot of fun. We got a beer sponsor. We're going to have food there, drinks, everything. Make sure you check it out, everybody. And Jason, Rob, thanks for coming on. Everybody have a great winning weekend this week. Good luck. Peace.